Amen. Everybody glad to say Say amen. 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 Glad to be in God's house this evening. Um, go ahead and take your Bibles this evening. Go with me to the book of Genesis chapter number 19. While you're turning there, I just want to share a little bit about the ministry. Um, it's in my blood. I can't help it. I got to tell everywhere I go. But uh, I was in a jail service the other day, and I'll tell you this and then I'll preach. But I was in a jail service the other day, and this, this is one of the main reasons why I go to the jail. Uh, I was in a jail service the other day, and I ran into a young man by the name of Garrett. And if you've read, my, if you've read our prayer letter from last month, you already know about Garrett. But Garrett's a young man, about 18, 19 years old. I met him over here in Catoosa County. And uh, he came into the service that afternoon, and he told me, I preached that afternoon on which side of Calvary are you on? Man, God met with us. God let me get hooked up. Let me get, talk, get to talking about how, what all that Jesus Christ had done for us on that cross. And I got to talking about being accepted and the beloved and how there were no more strangers and foreigners and things of that nature. And I got to preaching about that. Well, he come up, I gave the invitation. He raised his hand, said he was lost. Came up front after uh, when I gave the invitation and he said, Preacher, he said, I got to get saved and make sure it's official. And I looked at him. I said, do what? What are you talking about? Make it official. I never heard that before. He said, well, these four guys gathered around me in my dorm this past Wednesday and we got down and they prayed over me, and when we got up, they told me I was saved. And he said, that didn't feel too official. And I said, well, you're exactly right, Gary, that's not. I said, that's not at all how that works. And I began to tell him, I said, you've got to be under conviction in order to be saved. And he looked at me and he said, well, what's that? And I said, well, Gary, I'd be glad to explain it to you. And I began to talk to him what, what conviction was and things of that nature. And he said, after I got done telling him what conviction was, he said, well, I've been under that ever since I walked in the door this afternoon. I said, well, praise God, Gary, you're at a crossroads. You've got a decision to make whether to accept Christ or reject him. And he looked at me and he said, well, how do I do that? And I said, well, Garrett, all you got to do is ask. And he looked at me and he said, there's no way it's that easy. And I said, Garrett, I promise you it really is that easy. And I took the Bible and showed him from the Bible what the Romans, chapter number 10, verse number 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We still believe that, don't we? And I told him, I said, all you got to do is ask. And he said, there's no way getting something so awesome could be so easy. And he said, you mean to tell me that Jesus went through all that that you preached about, went through the cat of nine tails and all that. You mean to tell me Jesus did all that and all I got to do is ask for it and he'll give it to me. And I said, yeah, Garrett, that's all you got to do. And he bowed his head and he, he, this is what he said. He said, Lord, this preacher told me you loved me and you went to a cross to die for my sin. And he told me about everything that you did on that cross. And he said, I don't understand why you did it for me. And I don't, I don't understand why it's so easy to get saved. But Lord, if you'd save me, I sure would appreciate it. And he raised his head and he had tears just streaming down his face. And looked at him and I said, Garrett, I said, if you was to die right now, where would you go? He said, I'd go to heaven. I said, how do you know that, Garrett? He said, because it's official now. Amen. I'm glad for the day, June 25th, 2002, that he come by my way. Knocked on my heart's door and he made it official, amen. Glad it's official. It's my name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life this evening. Never ever to be removed, never ever to be blotted out. My name is written down this evening, amen. Genesis chapter number 19 this evening. I figured I'd tell y'all that. I get excited whenever I tell about old Garrett. I run into a fellow the other day there in the jail and got another story to tell, but for the sake of time, I'll go on. I'll leave that in the prayer letter next time, all right? Genesis chapter number 19, when you find your place, if you're willing and able, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God this evening. Genesis chapter number 19, 
I hope nobody's slobbered on this water because I'm going to drink it. <laughs> all right. I can stand and preach to prisoners all day long, and I get nervous, but I don't get cotton mouth, but I preach to y'all, and I get cotton mouth, all right? In Genesis chapter number 19, this evening, look with me at verse number 1. The Bible says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed, his, bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold, now, I'm, my lords, I turn and I pray you into your servant's house. Tarry all night and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house. He made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they laid down, the men of the, the men of the Sodom, even the men or the men of the city, excuse me, even the men of Sodom compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. They called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. Now I want to stop and see this for just a second. I want you to understand that they wasn't meaning to go down to the coffee shop, get a cup of coffee with them, all right? Whenever they talk about knowing them, that has more of a connotation to it than that. But if you look with me in verse number 6, the Bible says, And Lot went out at the door unto them, and shut the door after him, and said, I pray you, brethren... I want you to pay close attention to that. He said, Do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into sojourn, and, will needs be, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. The men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Here's our text verse this evening. Verse number 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer this evening. Our heavenly fathers, we come to your presence to pray. I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege and opportunity you've given me to stand and preach your word this evening. Lord, I pray that you give me the liberty and the touch and the power to preach this evening. Lord, I pray that you give me that anointing and the filling of the Holy One that I so desperately stand in need of to preach. Lord, I don't want to preach without you. Lord, I pray that you'd preach through me what you want said, what you want done. Put a watch care about my mouth. Help me not to do or say anything to grieve or quench your Holy Spirit. But Lord, I pray that you'd help me to do and say everything that you want said and done for your honor and your glory. Well, thank you and we'll praise you. Lord, help us to leave here being changed and challenged for your honor and your glory. We'll thank you and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I'm interested in verse number 14 where the Bible says, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-laws. Now, if you stop and think about this for just a moment, there are men and women in your life that you look up to, that you respect, that you, that you allow to have influence in your life. 
My father-in-law, y'all know my father-in-law this evening, and my father-in-law was to come to me and said, Brother Matthew, I want you to really think about doing this, or hey, I want you to do this for me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to really consider doing whatever he asked me to do. I'm going to make sure I pray about it. Make sure I see God's face about it. Why is that? Because he has influence in my life. My pastor, Brother Gravely, he's your pastor as well. He has influence in your life just like what he does mine. If you look around you, all around you though, there are people that have influence in your life. And if you look at our text this evening, it's no different. Lot should have had influence. As a matter of fact, if you look in verse number one, the Bible says that, that he sat at the gate, which means he was a ruler of the city, which means he had a position of prestige. So because of that, Lot had some influence down at the city of Sodom. If you look in verse number six or verse number seven, I believe it is, he said, I pray you, brethren. He had so much influence in their life and he had become so ingrained in their life that he began to call them brethren. But when we come to verse number 14 before us this evening, he's giving a warning to his sons-in-laws and to his daughters. And what do they do? But they look at him as one that mocked. And I tell you this evening, Lot has lost his influence with his own sons-in-laws and daughters. I want to take that thought for just the next few moments and look back and see how that Lot lost his influence. Just for the next few moments, I want to preach on this thought, how to lose your influence. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 13. We'll find where the story begins there. Genesis chapter number 13, you know the passage of Scripture here. Lot, had, Lot and Abram at that time, their herdsmen are bickering back and forth. They're arguing back and forth amongst each other. They are running out of cattle land. They're running out of land for their cattle and the herds to feed on. And because of that, Abraham puts a decision or gives Lot a choice and says, look, you go one way, I'll go the other way. Whichever way you choose, me and my cattle, me and my herdsmen, me and my family, we'll go the other way. If you look in Genesis chapter number 13 with me, we'll see that Lot started losing his influence and it started with a choice. Look with me at Genesis chapter number 13. Look at verse number 11. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Lot is the one that made the choice to go towards the plain of Jordan. Lot is the one that said, hey, I want that place. I want that direction. Abram, you go that way and I'm going that way. Hey, can I just stop and say this? I'm glad for the day I decided I was going God's way. I'm glad for the day I decided I wasn't going the world's way. I wasn't doing what the world had to offer, but I decided I was going God's way. But but if you look at this passage of scripture, you'll see where Lot started losing his influence with one simple little choice. Look with me at Genesis chapter number 10, some things about this choice. Number one, it was a lustful choice. The Bible says in verse number 10, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. What does the Bible say? The lust of the flesh, the, pride, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Here's the thing about it this evening. 
Lot lifted up his eyes and just like what you and I do sometimes, he made a choice based on what he was seeing in front of him instead of weighing everything out. He said, hey, that's where I want to go. It was a lustful choice. He lifted up his eyes and he looked at it. But not only that, if you look in verse number 10 as well, we see it wasn't just a lustful choice, but it was going to be a lucrative choice. Verse number 10, the Bible says that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Lot no doubt looked at it just like what you and I do. We see a big new business opportunity in front of us. We start seeing money signs. We start saying, oh, I could make a lot of money doing that. Hey, can I just stop and say this? Just because that job pays better don't mean it's the will of God. Just because that new job has better benefits does not mean it's the will of God. Just because there's a position offered at another church does not mean it's the will of God. You say, preacher, are you preaching to anybody? I don't have a clue. I ain't been here two and a half months. I don't know anything about anything, but here's the thing about it. Whenever you start losing your influence and you start going backward, it's gonna start with one choice. It was a lustful choice. It was a lucrative choice. He said, man, imagine all the money we could make. He's seen that well watered everywhere. The grass was green. The grass was lush. Man, he could see all them cattle. If you'll let me borrow your imagination for just a second, it was almost as if Lot could see those cattle fattening up right before his eyes. He said, man, we can make some money down there. We can grow some cattle down there. We can fatten them up and send them off to the slaughter. Make a lot of money down there. Hey, Lot made a lucrative choice. He made a lustful choice. But he didn't just stop there. He made a loose choice. Look with me at verse number 13. Verse number 13, the last part there in Lot, dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Now let me ask you this, where's the child of God supposed to be? Not supposed to be anywhere near the world, right? I understand we're in the world, I understand that. I understand that we live in this old flesh. I understand we have to work with people. Hey, I work with some of the most vulgar people I've ever met. I, I was talking to someone the other day, as a matter of fact, God opened the door up to witness to a girl that sits right beside me and she looked at me and she said, is that really what it means to be saved? One of the filthiest mouth girls I've ever run into, I mean, she cusses like a sailor. Matter of fact, make a sailor blush, but here's the thing about it. Just because we're in the world don't mean we gotta act like the world. Just because we're in the world don't mean we have to dress like the world. Just because we're in the world don't mean we have to listen to the world's music. It's still right to live right. It's still right even in 2018 to stand where you've always stood. It's still right to keep on keeping on. Keep on the firing line as the song says. Hey, can I tell you this afternoon, if it was wrong 30 years ago, Guess what? It's still wrong today, amen. He made a loose choice. No doubt if Abraham had been around and he had been looking at Lot, Lot probably wouldn't have made the choice to pitch his tent towards Sodom. He still made the choice to take the well-watered plains. Understand me this evening. But I don't know that he would have made the choice to go towards Sodom. You say, preacher, why? Because Abraham was a man of righteousness. 
Abraham was one that feared God. Abraham was a good influence in his life, or Abram at that particular time in the Bible. But here's the thing about it. Once Lot got away from Abram, can I tell you young people something this evening? Don't ever get away from church people. Don't ever get away. You say, preacher, why? Because a lot of times you'll do right just because they're around and God will bless that later on. You won't have the scars to answer for later on. You won't have the scars on your life that will affect you for the rest of your days. Here's the thing about it. Lot lost his influence and it all started with one choice. And I tell you this evening, I don't know what choices you're fixing to make or what choices you are making, but I do know this. Making the wrong one will cost you. Not only did he lose his influence, it started with a choice, but in Genesis chapter number 18, go with me to Genesis chapter number 18. Look with me at verse number 20. Not only did it start with a choice, but number two this evening, it continued with a chance. You know, I'm glad I serve a God this evening of second chances. Glad I serve a God that ain't just a God of second chances, but he's also a God of third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because the Bible said his mercies are new every morning. Amen. We can't run out of his mercy. You say, oh, preacher, you don't know what I did yesterday. No, I don't. But I know his mercies was new this morning. And I know his mercy endureth forever. You say, preacher, how do you know that? The book of Psalms told me that. Hey, can I tell you this afternoon? God is a God of second chances. But whenever it comes to losing your influence, he will give you a chance to make it right. And continue with a chance. It started with a choice and continue with a chance. Look at verse number 20. And the Bible says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. What does that word grievous mean? It simply means this. It means hurtful. I remember when we lost my grandmother. I mean, six years ago now. But I still remember it just like it was yesterday. I remember the pain. That I felt when I got that phone call. I still remember where I was at, standing outside work. My I stepped outside to answer the phone, and my mom asked me, she said, Matthew, you're sitting down. I said, No, what is it? She said, I gotta tell you, Ginger, which is what we call my grandmother, passed away last night. And man, you talk about hitting me like a ton of bricks. It seriously felt like somebody took a sledgehammer and hit me dead center in the middle of my stomach. I said, Preacher, what was it? It was hurting. But here's the thing about it. Whenever you and I sin, it don't just hurt us, but it hurts him. I was in the bedroom the other night. I still believe in discipline. I still believe in making sure my kid minds, even if we're not at church. But I walked in the bedroom and we was fixing to have a talk that was going in with him crying and possibly me crying. And the Holy Ghost of God said, you remember what you did? You said, preacher, was you living in any dark, deep, gross sin? No. But there was something the Lord had been dealing with me about. And you know what? I just kept on doing it. You say, preacher, why'd you do that? And well, the Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. And the Holy Ghost said, what you're fixing to do to him, and you're fixing to tell him that it's going to hurt him worse than what it's going to hurt, or it's going to hurt you worse than what it's going to hurt him. And to be honest, I, I remember hearing my parents say that all the whole time I was growing up. I never believed them. Let's be honest. I mean, 
you're fixing to put an inch thick belt that's been doubled over across mine. There's no way <laughs> that it's hurting you worse than what it is me. But I got older and I got children of my own now. And it's true. But you know what? Whenever God the Holy Ghost has to whip us, it's the same as what we have to do whenever we whip one of our children. He said, it's a, he said the sin is very grievous. Number two this evening, he said, I will go down now. Look at verse number 21. The Bible says, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. And if not, I will know. Now let me ask y'all a question this evening. We're all, we're pretty much all familiar with the Bible. Everybody knows that God's omnipresent, right? He's everywhere at the same time. Is that right? I was also all-knowing. Is that right? Then tell me why verse number 21 is in the Bible. He said, I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it. And if not, I will know. Can I tell you what I, why I think verse number 21, why, it, why it's inspired and it's been written down to remind us yet again that he's a God of mercy. Even in the midst of wrath, he's a God of mercy. He, even in the midst of wrath, he still gives one more chance. We see the sin. We see the sin. Verse number 26, verse number 29, 31, 32. I'll not take the time to read all that, but I do want to read verse number 32. You look with me at verse number 32. The Bible says, and he said, talking, Abraham's talking here, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but yet this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it. For ten's sake. Now as preachers, as preachers a lot of times we fault Abraham for stopping at ten. And as preachers a lot of times we'll say, well if Abraham had went on to five, God would have spared him for five. And to be honest, I believe that. Do you want me to tell you why I believe that Abraham stopped at ten? When you look in your Bible, any time in the Old Testament that you see daughters or you see son, sons without a number in front of it, it means at least three. Now you look at our text this evening. Genesis chapter number 19. The Bible says in verse number 8, he said he had two daughters. But then in verse number, uh, verse number 12, the Bible says, And the men said in Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-laws and thy sons and thy daughters? So in verse number 8, we have sons-in-laws, which is at least three. We have daughters, which is at least three. Then we have sons, which is at least three. So there's nine people already. If you go up and you catch the two daughters, it's in verse number seven or verse number eight, I believe it is. Verse number eight, that's 11. You count Lot and you count his wife, that's 13. You say, preacher, why did, Lot, why did Abraham stop at 10? Here's why I believe it is, because he thought surely, surely that Lot had at least been able to make, maintain or at least been able to witness and be able to win his family. Can I tell you this afternoon, whenever you begin to make the wrong choices and whenever I begin to make the wrong choices, it's not just us that suffer from it. It's not just us that suffer the consequences of it. There's others around us. And can I tell you this afternoon, there are people that are watching your life Brother Andrew, even as young as you are, you know what? There's still somebody watching your life. As I'm 31 years old, I'd be 32 in June. 
My birthday's June 18th. If anybody wants to give me a present, anyways, even as middle-aged, I guess, I don't know if I'm middle-aged or young, I'm right there in that in-between point. But here's the thing about it. People are watching my life. The churches that are supporting us, they're watching our lives. And you know what they don't want to see, Brother Danny? They don't want to see me writing a prayer letter back telling them about all the trips that we've taken and everything that we've done. You know what they want to hear? They want to hear about what we've been able to do for God. Now you say, well, preacher, are you against taking trips? No, I love taking trips. As a matter of fact, I'm taking my wife to D.C. not too long from now. But here's the thing about it. If that's my main focus, then I'm losing the influence that God has given me. The seeing, the seeing, the sparing. Let me ask you a question this evening. <coughs> what choices are you fixing to make? What choices are you making even now that God has given you another chance? You say, preacher, I've done lost my influence. Preacher, I've already, I've already did some major bad things in my life. Can I tell you, there's still another chance. Now, there are some people, can I be honest with you this evening? There are some people you'll not win your influence back with. But there are others still to come that you have an opportunity to influence them for the cause of Christ. It started with a choice to continue with the chance number three and I'm done. It ended with consequences. Anytime you lose your, anytime you lose your influence, there's going to be consequences. Say, preacher, what was the consequences that Lot faced? Well, number one, he lost his character. In Genesis chapter number 19, verse number 1, he was sitting at the gate. So he was a ruler. Then in verse number 7, he said, I pray your brethren, do not so wickedly. And then in verse number 8, he was fixing to turn his two daughters over to him. Now, any man that has any kind of character about him at all, you know what we're going to do as parents, as dads, you know what we're going to do? We're going to fight to the death. You walk in my house, and I'm not, being up, I'm not trying to be rude or ugly or anything like that, but you walk in my house and try to take my wife and my kids, and we're going to have major problems. That's what it is ingrained in us to do. And if, be honest with you this evening, if you have any character about you at all, that's the right thing to do. He lost his character. Number two this evening, he lost his companion. Genesis chapter 19, look at verse number 26. The Bible says, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Even Jesus said in the New Testament, remember Lot's wife. Let me ask you a question this evening. Are you really... So silly, I guess I could, should say. So silly as to think that you making the wrong choice is only going to affect you. The day that we surrendered to go to the Rock of Ages and I told my wife, I said, I believe that God's a guy. I believe God's given me peace about it. I believe this is His will. You know what? That choice didn't just affect me. It affected her. You say, oh, preacher, she's been a missionary to you before. So she knew what it was like. I understand that. But she had never been my wife and been a missionary. See, there's a whole different ball game in being the kid and being the adult. But here's the thing about it this evening. My choices affected her. The choice that we made to leave the church there in Chatsworth and close the doors and come back here, guess what? It affected her. The choices that you make in your everyday life. Husband, if you're here this evening and you're fixing to make a choice, you better make sure it's the right one. So, oh, preacher, I, you just don't understand. No, what I do understand is that God has placed us in a position of authority and God has made us head of the household and because of that, we are supposed to be the spiritual leader of that home. And you know what that means? That means making the right choices. 
He cost him, he ended with consequences. He lost his character. He lost his companion. But perhaps the most saddest of all, he lost his children. You look in verse number 14, the Bible says he lost his sons-in-laws and his daughters. But then you go over to Genesis chapter 19, verse number 31, the Bible says, And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, then we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. Verse number 36, look what the Bible says. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Now, I don't have to explain a lot here, but you understand this evening, that's sick. That's, that's an abomination in the eyes of God. That's wicked. So a preacher, where did they learn that? You want me to tell you where they learned it? They learned it down there in Sodom. Daddy, Mommy, you make the wrong choices. You know what's going to happen? It's going to affect your children. As a parent, every day, I make choices that directly impact my son and my daughter. So, preacher, your daughter is only three months old. I understand that, but guess what? There are choices that I'm making even now that's going to affect her for the rest of her life. There are choices I'm making now that will affect him the rest of his life. There are things that I've set up. Matter of fact, Miss Lolita told us before me, me and my wife ever got married, she said, know what you believe and why you believe it before you ever get married. You know what I've done? I've tried my best to make sure I knew what I believed and why I believed it. Because there's already been testing times. It cost him his children. I don't know about you in here this evening, but I don't want to lose my children. You know what I want to do? I want to make sure I'm making the right choice every time. Even if it means waiting to make a choice. Even if it means taking a little extra time when there's really not that extra time to take, I want to make sure I'm making the right choice. I want to make sure I'm making the right choice and where I go to church at. Make sure I'm making the right choice and what I'm going to do with my life. The career that I'm going to have, if you would, if you'd put it that way, or the ministry that I feel like that God's calling me into. Here's the thing about it, man. It's on us. At the end of the day, she doesn't stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the decisions you made. You do. Miss Linda Hicks, she said it this way. She said, I just follow my husband wherever he goes because guess what? At the end of the day, if I follow him, he's the one got to answer to God for it if he makes the wrong decision. But you know how true that is? At the end of the day, man, we've got to make a decision. But you know what, ladies? You've got to make the choice to follow. If your husband's right and your husband's in the will of God, even if he's not right and he believes it's right, guess what? You have a biblical obligation unless it goes against that word of God to follow. How to lose your influence this evening. Let me ask you a question. So we stand all over the house, heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me ask you a question. Have you lost your influence? Have you lost the influence that God has given you? Say, so preacher, I've lost it, but I sure would like to have it back. Can I tell you this evening? God's a God of second chances. God knows exactly who you are and He knows exactly what you're going through and He knows exactly where you're at. And the God of the mountain is still the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And He's the one that can deliver you
But in order to get help, you know what you've got to be willing to do? You've got to first be willing to admit you need help. <coughs> Maybe it'll take you coming to this old altar and saying, Lord, I was wrong about some things. And Lord, I need you to forgive me and help me to make better choices. You say, Preacher, are you trying to get a big altar call? No. I just preach what God laid on my heart. But it's up to you to make the decision. It's up to you to take the message that God has preached to your heart. See, the thing I figured out about preaching, I ain't been preaching long at all, but I figured this out. God can take one message that I'm preaching and preach it 100, 125, 100, 200 different ways. It's up to us to respond. And Heavenly Fathers, when coming to your presence to pray, I want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that you've given me to stand and preach your word. Lord, I pray that you take this message now. Lord, you'd use it for your honor and your glory. Lord, you know who in here needs to move and who doesn't. Lord, I pray that you convict hearts, convict lives. Lord, help us to leave here not the same way that we came in. Well, Lord, help us to leave here changed and challenged for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.